And we are live for the 47th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Luz Luigi. And tonight, I'm with Andrew. What's up, man? And I'm with G. What's up? Hey, nothing much. Uh, we just watched some UK baseball, uh, if we could call it baseball. I, I, I didn't look like baseball to me, but I guess that's what we just watched. Uh, Yankees took both games from the Red Sox across the pond. Uh, people called it historic. It was... It was wacky. It was there was a lot of uh, cricket references on the broadcast by John Smoltz. Uh, but hey, at the end of the day, anytime you take two wins, right? You sweep the Red Sox. Now I think we're what six and one against them on the season. We're eleven yep. up on them in the division, seven up on the Rays. You know, just about a little over a week away from the All Star break, things are going good in Yankee Land. We're going to talk about all of it. Talk about the two games in London, uh, everything surrounding about it. You know. Because a lot of people, I see a lot of, uh, obviously people are always spitting out conspiracy theories, but I've seen quite a few conspiracy theories about what the hell happened in London and why there were so many damn runs. Were the balls juiced? Was it the field? Was it the sun? Routine? Who knows? But guys, uh, it was a bit uh, bit weird today watching watching the Yankees at 10 a.m., right? Just waking up and watching the Yankees. That, That was a bit weird. Yeah, that was nice. I guess that's what people on the West Coast go through, right, when the game's at uh, one. That must be nice. I could never imagine having, like, what, like you know, most Yankee games are on at 7 o'clock, and if you're a West Coast, that's that's 4 o'clock. That's kind of a weird time for a baseball game to start. But, yeah, it was I, – I, like, I saw a lot of people complaining about it, the whole baseball in the U.K. thing, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. It was uh, – more people are going to be talking about it now than they would if it was just another Yankee Red Sox series in Boston or New York, right? This was, like, a – kind of a global thing got got a lot of a, a lot of attention and man i just can't stop thinking about how like all these you know because I've, I've obviously there's british people who have watched baseball or are baseball fans and know baseball but i mean man if you're just a british sports fan who really didn't know a lot about baseball and then you saw these two games like you, you definitely have a false uh, impression of what ba- baseball is today uh uh, you know, usually 30 runs aren't scored uh, per game. Uh, how many did they score? I think they broke the record for most. Uh, it was 50 in two games, the two teams. <laughs> um, yeah. Andrew, I'll just start with you right away. Like, do you think – what do you think was, like, the main cause for all those runs? Do you just think those guys out of the routine? Do you think Manfred juiced the baseballs before first pitch? You know, uh, what, what do you think happened? Uh, I've seen a lot of different things thrown out there. Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of all the – uh, the different conspiracies. I mean, you had mentioned the sun. We didn't see any. They drop fly balls in the outfield. Um, you mentioned a juice ball. We didn't see any balls travel 480 feet. Um, the fast turf definitely played a little bit of a role. I know there was a, a couple of hard ground balls that the Red Sox hit um, across both games that ended up being like key RBIs and their their comebacks that on grass are probably just ground outs. Um, I don't know, man. I think more than anything, it's probably just pitchers getting out of the rhythm, you know, a jet lag of, of it's a five hour time change. I know um, A-Rod had mentioned on the broadcast today, like, oh, the flight from, from New York to London is just not as, like, I felt better doing that today than, or yesterday than um, flying from Seattle when I used to play there to go to Tampa. It's like, that's only a three hour change. And I get the time in the air. I don't think that plays a big deal, especially because they landed and they had a day and a half before they played a game. I, I think just being in, you know, a completely different content, having a five-hour time change, um, having the couple days off screwed with the rhythm. Uh, you know, unless I see some kind of scientific, um, 
you know, like some report that, that shows the aerodynamics of the stadium played a role. I don't want to buy that either. I know there was some talk that the pitchers said their breaking balls weren't as effective because of that, but I, I really can't believe that unless I see something like that. Gee, do you think there was uh, anything fishy about these two games? Anything yeah, I mean, like, we all, we all got, you know, maybe raised an eyebrow that the balls would be, you know, be juiced. But like Andrew said, you know, there weren't any, like, monstrous, like, 500-foot home runs. So I think you could probably rule that out. Like, the turf, I think more than anything, right, like, grounders getting through, always having men on base, maybe making the pitchers uncomfortable in that way. But, like, I feel like probably just the whole, you know, unique situation, right, like, I been having been over to London myself, um, you know, we like read up and did everything about it, right? Like you you fly overnight, you don't go to sleep or try and sleep on the flight and then don't sleep when you're there because it's the morning. So you basically have to tough it out. But like even when I did that and I still woke up at like four o'clock the next morning, like having to deal with the time change, even though they had like two days to do it, um, you know, is not easy. And then considering that they have to probably, you know, they have to fulfill all the media obligations and, you know, have their practices and all their preparation for the actual game or whatever they might have to do. Like, I feel like there is probably a pretty good chance that it was just, you know, the whole combination of, you know, travel and time change and all that stuff, like, that they just weren't sharp. And, you know, when you add that to the fact that Yankee Red Sox games are usually just a whole big, you know, clusterfuck as it is anyway, like, it's not out of the realm, you know, that the Yankees and Red Sox play four-hour games. They do that pretty regularly. So I think you put two teams that usually do, like, usually do this and, you know, add the uniqueness to the situation. Like, it contributed to two just, like, absolutely just wacky games. Yeah, those two games combined uh, nine hours. Uh, just... <laughs> Like A-Rod said, they got, these people got three games for the price of two, right? And nine hours of baseball. But let's just get into these. Play. Rob Manfred in hell right now. Yeah, Rob Manfred was there. You know, he was just punching the air. He was so mad. That he, was like, he yucked no. it up in the booth like like he was enjoying it and that this oh, was good yeah, for the sport. Yeah. But you know he was miserable. He was like, yeah, this is freaking three hours in on the fifth inning. <laughs> what the hell? The two games combined for what, like nine and a half nine, hours? And nine, yeah, nine hours, two games. Uh Let's just get into them, right? Uh, the first game, we had Tanaka versus Porcello. And I talked, like, I had confidence in Tanaka going into this game. I really did. And, uh, man, it didn't work out like that. But, you know, it started off great, right? Because the Yankees were the road team both these games. And, you know, Rick Porcello, whew, you know, it was, it was kind of, I mean, it's tough for him, right? He was the first pitcher to pitch on this mound. And, as this, you know, as the series went or as the game went on, in between games, you heard a lot of the pitchers say how their their pitches weren't really moving a lot. You know, and I think that maybe has something to do with the fact that the way they build stadiums in the UK, there's just not a lot of wind gets into the stadiums. Like that's just how they build them. So, I mean, I guess that could have to do a little bit with it. But, anyways, I mean, Rick Porcello just got absolutely bombed. It was it was pretty ugly. Everyone was getting hits. He only got one out. Voigt gets an RBI double to start it off. DD RBI, two-run RBI double. Encarnacion RBI double, which is only hit in his two games. But Hicks, first homer in the UK. That's going to be a trivia question, right? Aaron Hicks, the first one to hit a home run in the United Kingdom. Six-nothing. But, you know, we were all feeling good, right? It was just like, wow, we're just 
beating their ass six nothing. They were embarrassing them on a national stage, and then the Red Sox got up and. Man, I mean, Tanaka, I, he did a little bit better than Porcello, right? He got one more out than him, but he couldn't get out of the first inning either. Both pitchers just combined for an inning and give up 12 runs. It, it was it was unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like it. I think, what was it, the most run scored in the first inning in like 20, 30, 30 years or something? It was it was nuts. Uh, it was 6-6 six, six after the first inning. The Yankees would regain a lead, uh they just kept scoring runs. Right? Gardner gets them back into it to two-run homer to retake the lead. Uh, DJ LeMahieu just kept doing DJ LeMahieu things these two games. Just, just keeps slapping the ball all over, getting hits. Judge goes deep. DD gets another RBI single. It's seventeen to six in the fifth inning, right? So this game's over, right? It went from being fun and enjoyable to awful, and then it went back to being fun again. But man, and the, the Red Sox—they came back, and it just—it really just. To me, I was like, look, this is there's something up. Where it's the field, the field's fast. There, there, there's something up because the Red Sox cut it to 17-13. And, man, like, look, we left Nestor in a little bit too long. Canely came in, couldn't get him out. Th- things, weren't go- you know, things weren't going great, but I, I really just couldn't blame any of the pitchers. I'm like, all right, I've seen nine or ten pitchers on the mound, and almost all of them have looked kind of bad. Right, like there was a couple pitchers here and there. I think like Velasquez and at the end had like a pretty like the Red Sox pitchers towards the end of the game started doing well. But man, the first like eight or nine pitchers in that first game were just all getting ripped. And I'm like, all right, there's something up here. Like, like what's going on? But you know, Adovino, Britton, Chapman, they they come in, they they save that. Chapman was in both games, by the way, even though both are four run games. Yankees win seventeen to thirteen. Um, man, uh, that was. What what did you guys think of this game? Like, did was describe this game one word? Was it enjoyable? Was it awful? Was it just embarrassing? Like, I I don't know. Like, this was just such a wacky, weird game. I think that was the most miserable and least enjoyable <laughs> Yankee win of my life. Like, I hate, dude. I hate saying that, but it really was. Like, once that game right. was over, I was like, oh my god. Like, cause right. Was, like, like you you were you were so relieved. Like, and it was five hours. It sucked up my entire Saturday afternoon. Oh my god. And. I literally just needed to, to decompress after that game. I mean, the six-run inning, you're like laughing. You're like, holy crap, this is it. We brought the Red Sox all the way to London on this bougie-ass plane just to shit all over them. Like, this is great. And then immediately Tanaka gives it right back, and you want to pull out your hair. And then a couple of innings later, you're up 17-6. It's a laughing stock, right? Like, this is it. The Red Sox are a joke. This is, this is the greatest day of my life, right? And just those le- to get the last twelve outs, whatever it was, it was literally it was it was Chinese water torches. What it was, it, 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 that's <laughs> oh man, brutal. I'd say like the game was it was exciting. It had a lot of stuff happen, but it wasn't at all fun. Like I enjoyed watching it of the like four and a half, almost five hours. I enjoyed watching it for like maybe an hour. Yeah, I, I tried to convince myself after the game. I'm like, oh, that was that was awesome, right? And I was like, wait a minute, no, it wasn't. That kind of no, sucked. it wasn't. It wasn't fun. It was, you know, a lot of stuff, a lot of exciting, you know, like good PR and, you know, it was a quote unquote like good game for the series. Like, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't fun at all. Like, and I'd say the thing that made me most mad, like, you know, maybe we'll get some information about, you know, you know, as the stories come out, as, you know, analyze what happened, like, oh, this is why all the pitchers struggled. But like, I was most mad. I wasn't even disappointed. I was really just pissed off. I was like, Tanaka really couldn't get through 
one inning, not even one inning, with a six-run lead. You couldn't even get through one inning. Like, you couldn't even play opener and give them one inning, and then they could have even, like, went to someone else. He was ahead of every batter and coughed it up, like – and I was just – I was so pissed off by that. Like, no, like, trust me, I was mad at Tanaka too. But as I'm telling you, as that game went on, it almost came like, all right, I, I'm not going to be mad at, like, any pitcher this this series because there's clearly something different, whether it's the mound or, yeah. or what it is. There's clearly something different that these guys – well, even if they're just, you know – like, they had two days off in a row. And that, I think, kind of messes up. Like, that might mess with you just a bit, having – back-to-back off days especially when one of those off days you're probably just touring around london doing you know pr stuff for instagram and you know all that yeah it's a little different that you know for like let's say a reliever you know to not pitch for two days because they do that all the time but to not even go to the ballpark for two days straight Mm -hmm. um, i think that's the change in rhythm that probably threw them off the most yeah, like I wasn't going to predict that the game was going to turn into what it was because, like, how could you? But I was just super, super mad that, like, like you couldn't even get through one inning, dude. It's it's one thing to come out with, like, a 0-0 game and get bombed. And, like, that happens. We've seen it happen. Like, but they gave you a lead, man. It just, just really bothers me that he couldn't even get through one inning. Yeah, it was a rough day at the office for Tanaka. Um <laughs> and you felt, you know, you felt bad for him because, you know, like I, I really, like I really had confidence in Tanaka. Like, all right, Tanaka, he's a big game pitcher. This is a big game. He's gonna just throw a gem. But do you have confidence him. with him in, in a close game, let alone a game that he gets spotted a six run lead yeah, in the first exactly. inning? Mm-hmm. Oh man, uh, yeah, like, and it's funny because Tanaka just not even lasting an inning. The Yankees originally Sunday were supposed to go with the bullpen day with uh, the old good old uh, Nest, uh, Green and Nestor, and they, they still had a bullpen day, but it wasn't their, wasn't their ideal original setup. Um, no, everything got fast forward yeah. to that game because they had to use Green and exactly. Cortez. <laughs> and Green got to win this game, by the way. Um, another note about this game, Luke Voigt was four for four. Uh, he just had a double, and then he pulled up a little gimpy to second. Um, had to leave the game, didn't play Sunday, but it looked like just a cramp, right? Because they said, you know, he said he had a pain in his lower abdomen, which if you've ever gotten like a cramp from running a lot, like that's usually where either like right there or on like your side, that's where you get like that cramp. So I don't know. He probably was just maybe dehydrated. Maybe he was out drinking the night before in the UK at some pub, who knows, but I don't think it was uh, anything too serious. Hopefully we'll see Voight back in uh, at City Field on Tuesday. Um, Guys, anything else about this this wacky first game? Uh, man, uh, a funny note. Uh, you know, when Brett Gardner got up to the plate, uh, tie game. I don't think no one had confidence that he was going to do anything off Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright just looked like he had his number. It looked like Stephen Wright was about to go uh, like five or six innings of just one run ball. It really did. And man, he was throwing some damn nice knuckleballs. Man, they were like completely just falling off the table. Guys, how yeah. about this line for the Red Sox reliever? What's his name? Showerin? Showerin? Inning and a third, six hits, eight runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Yeah, he did not look good <laughs> at all. Like, he threw uh, like 40 pitches plus, and then they sent him back out for the next inning. <laughs> that was 50, wild. 53 pitches. Oh, man. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe if they would have pulled him quicker, they would have had a, ch- a chance to come back, right? I mean, the fact that, yeah, it was 17-6, to 6 and it was like a close game. It's, it's unbelievable. But anyways, to game two, uh, yeah, due to Tanaka kind of just imploding in that first game, not making that first inning, the Yankees were forced to start Stephen Tarpley on Sunday. And uh, spoiler alert, didn't go so well for Tarpley. Uh, he gave up three home runs in the first inning, one to J.D., one to Vasquez, one to Bogarts. Um, Starting even Tarpley was exactly as bad of an idea as it seemed like yeah, it Yeah, um, really not much Boone could do. Like, you, you, like, okay, you could start Sessa. You could, there's other guys you could have started. But, you know, at that point, it's like, yeah, just, just throw them out there. We really don't have I mean, much left. Like, if you're going to use an opener or whatever, like, you use an opener. But, like, Chance Adams is a starting pitcher. Like, he might not be, like, great, but he's used to starting games. Like I think the problem, though, is that they, they get so caught up in this, you know, analytical throw a guy first time through the order, bring in someone else the second time through, and then he goes. Um, that way, the sixth, seventh inning, everyone along is only facing him twice. Um, I feel like if you throw at Adams and he has a decent, let's say he gives up two or three runs instead of four in the first inning, you almost feel obligated to just keep him out there for four or five innings. And then what if you find yourself on an eight-nothing hold, then the entire layout of the game is different. All right, so I, I think that's kind of why they didn't do it. Eight-nothing in London is like three-nothing in the States. So. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the Yankees hadn't really had to come back at any point. Um, I mean, they were down four-nothing early in the second game got two back, and they kind of just hung around there the whole time. I mean, the Red Sox had huge deficits that they had to overcome in both games. You know what's funny about the second game? You know, going to the seventh, like, obviously, you look at the final score of that second game, you say, oh, 12-8, kind of another, you know, slugfest, sloppy, you know, a lot of runs. But, man, it was 4-2 going to the seventh inning. Uh, Rodriguez, for them, he pitched pretty well. He threw a hunt. Like, you just – it just really showed the best example of what – of uh, how much Alex Cora and just the entire Red Sox coaching staff does not trust this bullpen. I mean, Rodriguez was out there in the sixth, and he had 115 pitches in this game through five and a third. Like, he was he was out there. And Cora probably would have left him out there for, you know, the rest of the, the uh, six if he didn't. Cora was you know, trying as hard as he possibly could to not have to go to his bullpen. Yeah, like, I mean, his tank, he, you could tell his tank was just empty. He walked four guys. Um, go They go to Brewer. He does his job. But, man, I said it, man. Going into that seventh inning, it was a four. The Yankees were only down two. The Red Sox hadn't scored since that first inning where they had three home runs. It was the top of our order coming up. And I said, like, look, this is our inning. Uh, here we go. And did I think the Yankees were going to score nine runs? No, I, I didn't. Uh, that was the inning where um, they brought in, what was it, Kevin? Walden. Walden, right? Yeah. You said, oh, like, and that's, this, like, probably their best reliever this year. You know, coming in, so <laughs> he had, like, I think, like, a 2-6 ERA, like, you know, pr- some pretty decent numbers. And, man, he couldn't get it out. Uh, he, he didn't get it out. Yeah. And no. you saw the urgency in, in the Red Sox that they brought in Matt Barnes, who's, you know, for the most part, they don't have, like, a designated closer, but he's been their, for the most part, go-to guy in the ninth inning. And they brought him in to stop the bleeding before it got oh. out of hand. And, spoiler alert, he didn't do so well in that role. He, he got one out. And then got yanked yeah, as well. Who starts it off, and Judge gets on, then you know Hicks gets the RBI double, make it four three. Gary two run RBI single to take the lead, and Rochella gets a hit. Lemayhu gets another hit. Hicks sack It just it's twelve to four at the end of the eighth. Didi, like another note because I was thinking it, and I think it was like ten four. I was like, man, all these runs, but you know it's like almost the seventh inning, and that home run streak. We still haven't gotten a home run. Like, uh oh. 
But DD, he made sure the home run streak continued at 33. He hits a 415. Yanks put in Chance Adams. He gives it four runs. It gets a bit interesting. But at the end of the day, Britain, Jappy, shut it down. Yanks win. They beat the Red Sox. They sweep the Red Sox in London. You know, like, obviously, it's the Yankees podcast, but man, the, the Red Sox bullpen, like, it really is that bad. You know, like, a lot of times you'll hear about teams talk about how bad something is for a certain team, and it's usually not that bad, but the Red Sox bullpen is that bad. Like, I, it's actually unbiased. I couldn't, like, watching that game on Sunday, I actually couldn't believe how awful that, but like, I'm like, these are their best bullpen guys here, and they are just getting slapped around. Like, they had a 4-2 lead going into this inning. It is now 12. Like, it is now 11 of 10 to 4. Like, oh, my God. Just unbelievable. It's I know that they weren't 40. They're 11 back of the Yankees in the division. A few games out of a wild card spot. I mean, they're they're in some deep shit right now, man. Do you, like, I know that they probably did exactly what the Yankees did, which is, like, bring an extra guy or two and make a move, like, between the games, especially after what game one was. But, like, man, like, they – I felt like they brought in like a, a really crazy amount of relievers, like just relievers that I never really even heard of. Like, teams did, yeah. Yeah, like relievers that I never even heard of, man. And they just none of them could get any outs, man. Like I feel, I mean, I don't really feel bad about it because it's their competition, but like it's it's really it was really hard to watch these dudes. They came in and they just had nothing, man. Like they were just really bad, like. I, that's what I'm. That's dude. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I could not get over how like it was. They just. I think how many pitches they go that one inning? Like three or four. Then like no one could get out. Just, so in the seventh inning during the rally, they the pitchers the, the first two pitchers combined for like fifty pitches. They got one out and gave up like five runs. Oh man, yeah. Um, they're in trouble. Like, they're they're in some deep shit, man. It's like they got by with that bullpen last year. I, don't look like it's going to be the case this year. But I don't know, man. Like, like they're they're just like like a, a ring in your ear that just won't go away. They're just so annoying with how good their offense is, and you know that as more teams become sellers at the deadline, they may be able to pick someone off. Like, remember a couple years ago, they picked up uh, it was Addison Reed and someone else. I forget who, but um, I, they ended up get, losing. I'm pretty sure that was the year that they uh, they got swept by the Indians um, in the first round of the playoffs. But like that, those bullpen additions really helped them. You know, finish the season strong and close out the AL East title. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna write it off. Be like, well, let's say their bullpen's a joke. Like, I mean, there's still gonna be good guys available, and if they feel that that's the difference between them missing the playoffs and playing for the wild card, if not the division, like, I'll believe the Red Sox are dead when they're dead. Yeah, look, I'm like, you know, they're in some deep shit right now, but yeah, they're still a dangerous team, and I still think they're gonna be in that wild card game, considering it's like you know, it's either gonna be them, like the Rangers, the Indians, like it's like I, I still like them against all those teams, but I mean, this probably woke them up, right? This, I mean, it had to. If you your bullpen pitches like that on like a national, like two national broadcast games, like the first two games in London, these games are like pretty big deals, and man, your bullpen pitches like that, and it's been an awful all season, obviously, but this was just not like. It was almost like, like you know, Clint's terrible night happening on Sunday night baseball. Right? It wasn't just like a Thursday night game against like the Royals. No, it was Sunday night ESPN against the Red Sox. Like it's going to be a little bit more of a story. And yeah, they're they're definitely they're definitely going to make some moves. They're definitely going to add some arms to that bullpen. I mean, they have to. Like they literally have to. I mean, this team, if they don't add anything to that bullpen, like they might not finish five hundred. Like that's how bad it's gotten. They're only four games over five hundred right now, and. 
like, you know, their offense for the most part, they've been relatively healthy this year. Like their lineup's still there. Like obviously Betts isn't having the year he had last year. Neither is JD. Um, but you know, you still got like Devers and Bogarts having really good years. Uh, Chavis is a pretty good offensive piece to have. Like their offense is still really good, but uh, like you, you gotta add to that bullpen, man. I obviously I don't want them to, but I offer up the uh, like the devil's advocate. I think. I mean, obviously, I would expect the Red Sox to make a move just because they're active, and you know they're generally one of the better teams. Like they're in in the running. Um, my main point is that if they can't beat the Yankees, then there's only so much of a comeback that they could possibly make. And the other part of it is that, like, to assemble their current team, one, they already have a, a ton of salary obligations. Like, they're the most expensive roster in the league. But, like, they sent out a lot of their prospects, you know, I guess as currency, like, to make deals and stuff. Like, how much – how many prospects, right? What are they going to have left? You know, how much are they willing to give up to, to get people in the house unless they're for long term, like unless you're getting guys that are on longer term deals. Like it's just, I don't know, I guess I would just be cautious about that. If I was the Red Sox, like how much more could you possibly send out? Because you're getting into an area where you're going to have an expensive roster and nothing to fall back on. Yeah. But you know what? Like we say that they may not have any you know, MLB top 100 prospects, but you know, they pulled Chavis out of, out of nowhere. He has what? Mm-hmm. 15, 16 home runs. They picked, I don't even know where Jordan Walden came from. If he was like an international free agent signing, like he was playing like overseas or if he was in their system. Um, but he, you know, before today's implosion was having a really good season. Like, you know, they're, they're a good run organization um, coaching wise at the major league level uh, that I think they can, you know, mold any level of prospect into um, you know, a, a pretty decent MLB level contributor. Um it's nice to talk about, it. and you know we love having a deep system. Like when we were coming up with, you know, Gary and Judge and Glay when they were all in the minors, so we were really excited for how deep our system was. But I mean, if you're winning championships and you want to figure out the system later, like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. But yeah, more talk about the uh, let's talk about the Yankees this game. Uh, man, do- Look, we were usually we have like oh player the series, but I mean DJ LeMay who's kind of ruining that segment for us because it's just been him like every week. Like we'll be like oh like, you know usually the, in the beginning of the season there was like there was two or three different players you could pick like oh this guy's an R you could say this guy's a player of the series, but man it seems like series after series it's just DJ LeMay. I mean just read listen to some of these stats on this dude. He's 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 eighteen in his last six games. He's eighteen for twenty eight. Uh, like with 13 RBIs, he, he's he has 45 hits and 29 runs batted in in the month of June. Like, th- yeah, you know what's great? I was listening to um to, to Sterling on the on the pregame show um, this morning before the game, and <laughs> he you know they do that who's hot, who's not they, uh, in the Diamond Note yeah. segment, and he was like, oh, uh, who's hot? DJ Le- our own DJ LeMahieu who's hitting 607 over his last eight yep. games or whatever that was. I was just like, are you out of your mind? Like, it's, it's so it's wild. Video it's video game stats, man. You're just looking at it. You're just like, wait a minute. He's, he's what, he's 18 for his last 28? Like, are you, are, you, are you serious? I mean, look, it's kind of tough to have, like, DJ, I understand, like, he's in the AL MVP conversation for sure, but it, it's just tough to say that. He, like he's gonna be the AL MVP when you have like a guy like Mike Trout and when his just power numbers aren't there. But 
my God, he he's definitely in the top five right now. He's like even you know Jessica Mendoza could be pretty annoying on the tel- of the telecast for ESPN, but she did have a good point there when she was saying like DJ LeMahieu and Adam Ottavino are probably the two best offseason accusations, not accusations, not by just uh, the Yankees, by any team. Uh, like getting LeMahieu the way the Yankees did, it's just like what a genius move. We say it every show, but it just it can't be stated enough. This guy's about to if he keeps this up. This, Keep the, keeps this up. This guy's gonna be hitting three fifty plus, and I mean, not even like not even exaggerating. NL and then the AL. Just this guy's just this guy's incredible. I I literally am about to dedicate this entire podcast to DJ LeMahieu in every episode from here on out. This guy's that good. Let's excited. Jack Curry floated a good, uh, an interesting idea. I think yeah. it was after yesterday's game. Was like, you know, at this point, like, should the Yankees just consider? sign him to an extension now. Like, he's only under contract this year and next year. Like, if they see him as being a big player for them for, like, the next four years, just, like, give him an extra two years on his deal right now. Just, like, $15 million a year, tack it on. Like, you, you can't see the future without this guy. And he's he's made the loss of, of Miguel Andovar. Like, I, it's almost like we're better off without him this year. Not that I want him out of the system and I don't want him – having a future with the Yankees, but I think this team operates better this year having DJ in the lineup uh, instead of split time if Anduar was playing. Yeah, I love Anduar, but it's like this team's just so great that you really haven't even thought about him that much because, you know, like, I mean, we've had, like, definitely been better defensively at third base this year, mainly because of Urshela, but, you know, DJ's done a nice job there too. But, I mean... Uh, it really just does make you think about the future because even a guy like D, like I love DD, and I, I don't want to like make, make this dark turn, but what if the Yankees say, "Hey, maybe our middle infield is DJ at second and Glaber at short, right?" And what, what like maybe either whether they decide between Urshela and Andujar, it's going to be very interesting. Like obviously, a lot of it depends on what happens the rest of the year, but the Yankees got a lot of they got. It's like almost like when you have a lot of good problems, right? These are good problems to have, but they're definitely got to make some choices next year. Like, next year you could do probably, like, I'm just assuming at this point, like, you're not going to have to worry about, like, Greg Bird factoring into the the first base thing. Like, you might have to figure out, like, if Edwin Encarnacion is going to be around. But, like, you probably could have something of what the Yankees are actually envisioning next year where you have, like, you know, if you brought everyone back, right, you'd have, like, Andujar hopefully, you know, with health. You'd have D.D. Glaber and Luke Voigt and have D.J. play one of those. I mean, not short, but like one of those positions most nights and just rotate it, which it seemed to be what Aaron Boone was envisioning originally before the injuries took hold. Yeah, so in that scenario, though, like what do you do with, with Gio? He doesn't have any options. You either got to cut him or trade him. And in that scenario, he doesn't really have a place. Well, that's um, what I'm – well, that's what I was and saying. obviously he wasn't factored into the plans early in the year anyway. He started yeah, exactly. off in AAA. I mean, you love Geo, but you don't know, like, uh, you can't really predict for anyone, right? But you don't know, like, what Geo. this is kind of outside of his career performance. Oh, right, of course, of course. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, he's the guy yeah. you, you need to plug into your lineup. But, like, in your scenario, he's gone, right? Like, just. I would imagine yeah. in my scenario that he's not challenging for major playing time. Yeah, okay. That's what I was. That's what I was kind of just thinking about. Then I'm like, you know, what if the Yankees at the end of this year say, "Hey, we we kind of like Urshela at third base a little bit better than Andujar." Like I'm not, you know, Andujar is a much better bat, but 
I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me. And I, I could just be like caught in the moment, like maybe when the season's over and Urshela, like, you know, his bat cools down and all, like, you'll kind of just look at it and say, all right, or, yeah, Andujar is definitely the better choice for the future. But I don't know. It's interesting. Urshela's played that well this year that he's kind of made me think about it. I don't know. I mean, like, Andujar's a guy who's been traded a million times on the internet anyway. So, like, if yeah, the Yankees say, were actually... been theoretically traded like 15 times since 2017. So, yeah. like, they. Stu, like they definitely still do have a need for pitching, like, and you don't know how they're going to wind up addressing that. So it's not something like you could just like you could kick that around. That's a whole separate podcast for sure. But like, you know, that's something that you could definitely go down the road with. Yeah. Um. Anything else from this the this baseball and UK experience, man? That was. I'm still not over how fucking. Weird that was. I feel like let's gonna... just never do it again, please. <laughs> like, next take the two wins and never do that ever again. I'll be much more excited, like, to watch not the Yankees play in these games. Like, to watch a game that I don't have any, like, personal investment in. Like, whoever it is next yeah. year. What, like, the Cubs All right, it's Cubs and Cardinals next year. Like, let's say that their game goes, like, 15-15 into extra innings. Like, that's awesome. I want to watch that game. But I don't want to be a fan invested in that game. You could do, like, you could do some, some wacky stuff. Make it an exhibition game. Juice the balls. Do all sorts of wacky shit. Like... You could really make an event out of it, and they would still probably have a damn good time with it. Like, yeah, I mean, look, sixty thousand people were there, and they they showed this D ten on Saturday. They said sixty thousand. I, I guess there are sixty thousand again there Sunday. Yeah, I think overall, even though I agree with what you just said, Andrew, like, yeah, the fact that there was you know were Yankee fans and the Yankees were in it, it just made it brutal. Like, it just made those games excruciating. But overall, I thought it was a positive for the MLB. Right, I know a lot of the older Yankee fans like just thought it was stupid. Like, oh, we don't need to grow the game in the UK. But hey, I, I'd never think it's a bad idea to grow the game in baseball, right? So, you know, what's so funny though, and I keep hearing Joe Buck over and over and over again. He must have said it on the broadcast uh, Saturday afternoon like seven times. He's like, "This is your first time watching baseball. If you're tuning in and seeing this yeah. for the first time, this is not the norm for Major League Baseball. This is not what you're more used to seeing." And like, if you watch baseball for the first ever time, this was your experience, you know. 17 six Yankees in the fifth or sixth inning, whatever it was. It's like, oh wow, baseball's the highest scoring game, like cricket. Like, no, <laughs> like you watch games most times, like four to two. No, it's so funny because, like, I, I think it was on Reddit and somebody was like, they posted on like their main baseball subreddit, like, hey, I'm British, I have no idea what's going on, but this is pretty fun. And the top comment was from a Yankee fan, it was like, trust me, we don't know what's going on either. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like they thought we were like oh this is like this is cool it's like yeah man like we still usually don't happen man it's six to six in the second inning and it's 230 and the game started at one like we, we have no idea what's going on either uh, it was it was just as bizarre to us as it was to you guys uh, you know what's weird i always felt like watching the yankees blow these leads um thankfully they didn't actually blow the leads but seeing like the lead slip away it was so much worse than when you see a team in football blow and, and i always say football because it's the same score um but, like, you know, if you're, let's say, up by a touchdown, right, and your defense can't get a stop on third down, the other team just drives down the field, by the time the game-tying touchdown happens, you're, like, numb. Like, you already expected, right? Like, like baseball, like, you're waiting on – it could be a grand slam or a, a double play, ground ball down the ending. Like, there's so much that happens on one single pitch. It's wild. I agree. Like all I have to say, all I have to say is, yeah, let's not do that again anytime soon, right? I just I'm very surprised that. Also, I wanted to say this note because we could all say this because we're all Giants fans here. Um, 
<laughs> the first MLB game in London outscored the first NFL game in London. I think what was the first the Giants Dolphins game was thirteen to ten. What a mess that game was. This game was, and it's funny because this game it was at one point at seventeen to six. That's a football score, right? You see a lot of seventeen six football games, and then seventeen thirteen the final. That's a football score. I'm like, wow. It's, <laughs> Yeah, look at that. Uh, 17 13. I didn't know the Giants and Patriots just played in the UK in June. But, like, uh, I'll just sum it up for me. I'll just be like, yeah, well, the Yankees, Red Sox, and London, it was a really great, awesome experience that I never want to have ever again. Yeah, right. Oh, never man. again. I saw a lot of Yankee fans there. You know, a lot of people I follow on Twitter were there. It must have been an awesome experience traveling to the UK just to watch the Yankees. It's pretty dope. Um, some injury news and notes. Uh, Domingo Herman, he should be back this week, right? Uh, excited to see him back. Hopefully, he's he looks like uh, early, like he did early in the season, and not like he did before. He just went on the IL. Well, uh, big hope. Um, Luke Voigt, should, no uh, no additional news about him. I, I guess he's fine, right? I guess he just had a cramp. That's that's what we're hoping for. No news is good news. When you keep- well, I mean, it's definitely a muscle strain. It's like right below like the belt area um and if you if you watch the replay of the double when he hurt himself he kind of like winced like the second he hit the bag so i wonder if he stepped weird and a combination of being like dehydrated playing out in the sun kind of like just tweaked that muscle but hopefully that's something he could play through um another thing gary jammed his left thumb i think in the eighth inning today which is why austin romine caught the ninth he, he said he'll be fine he's just sore well i said so Sounds fine, but never like seeing when Gary gets his thumbs. That kind of just always happens. Right? You're a cat, you probably get your thumb jammed like ten times a week as a catcher, so no big deal there. Um, like I said, Yankees homer for the thirty-first straight game. They're just adding to that record. Uh, guys, before we get into the pro- let's just talk about the, uh, the the Yankee All Stars, right? So as of now, there's three, three Yankee All Stars. Do they still have the final vote? Like that whole like last vote thing? Do they still do that, or do they do away with that? Honestly, I have no idea. Right? I just, they, like usually, like the four guys from each league, like the final vote. Usually, it's the guys who got snubbed. I think I don't know if they do it, but as of now, the three Yankee All Stars are Gary Sanchez, DJ LeMahieu, and Aroldis Chapman. Um, that, that's that's it. Uh, no, no, uh, the two names that are pretty out, three names that are pretty, pretty obviously off there are Voit, Ottavino, and Glaber. Um, guys. Thoughts on snubs, deserving, uh, just, I don't know, man. I thought Adovino, I could kind of understand. It's it's really tough if you're not a closer to make the all-star team just as a relief pitcher. Like, you got to be just, like, the best. So I, I kind of understand that one. But, man, Glaber and Voight, not me, especially Glaber. I, I was very surprised with that. I get Lindor is the bigger name. He was he was the backup. He got the he got that spot. But, man, this dude Glaber's on pace for, like, 33 homers and 90 RBIs and all of a sudden 300 and has played – a phenomenal uh he's been playing not phenomenal he's been playing pretty well in the field for for his age i i, I thought that was a big snub i even you even saw i think it was carlos correa who tweeted like you know even obviously you know screw the red sox but even a guy like bogarts deserved i think deserved it more than lindor he's having a really good oh year. for sure like both those guys just got snubbed man it's ah man i, I bit of a bit of a sour note end of the day but yeah guys thoughts on who do you think was like the biggest snub and should you know, should Adovino, Voight, and Glaber all have made it, or just one or two of those guys should have made it? Uh, I mean, I think if I mean, they were both in 
the top three, right, of voting. They both made it the second round. Uh, yeah, um, I so. Which makes it hard to... Um, yeah, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow that they, neither of them got in. I think um, Glaber probably was the bigger snub. Uh, Voigt was interested in doing the home run derby. I don't know if that's still going to happen with his injury he sustained. Maybe he'll just want to take it easy over those couple days and get back to full strength the second half. Um, I think Glaber's probably the bigger snub. Uh, I mean, the guy's having uh, you know a pretty historic um, offensive season for what is he's 23 years old right now, I believe. He's 22. 24, he's 20, yeah. 23 in December. Wild, wild. I mean, he's on pace to hit, I believe, 36, 37 home runs right now. Uh, and he's been a force in the middle of our lineup and one of the few guys who stayed healthy the whole year to this point. Um, I mean, he, I feel like he's pretty deserving. Yeah, I, I guess Voight, like, I kind of understand. Because, like, the guys that got in it, like, you know, Vogelbach for Seattle got in it. I'm like, okay, I, you know, he's having a really damn good year. He's really good. I, I'm not mad at that. You know, I'm, I'm really not. Okay, fine. Uh, Abreu getting in over Voight? Eh, a little bit, because Voight's numbers are a bit better. But, like like you said before, Andrew, like, the All-Star game, it's it's kind of like a, a showcase of, like, you know, the named guys. And, look, Jose Abreu and Francisco Lindor are just bigger names than Luke Voigt and Glaber Torres right now. You know, it's, it's just in the baseball world. Like, that's just how it is. And I think that's one of the reasons those guys got a nod. Plus, I think, you know, the fact that every team has to have a representative at the All-Star game. Like, I, I always thought that shit was so stupid. Like, you want to talk about a, par- a participation trophy? Like, look, if you're a tw- like a 20-25 win team, like, you don't deserve an All-Star. Like, screw you. Like, we're not showcasing you. I mean, unless unless you're like Whit Merrifield oh, last year on the Royals. If you deserve it, for sure. doesn't matter yeah. what, how bad of a team you are. Like- if you're to be an All-Star, you should be an All-Star. But – it's like, oh, we have to have an all star from every team. Like, but is there really an all star on every team? Like, because like you've seen some guys over the years, like a pitcher who will have like, like what was it? I think it was Jay Happ last. It was Happ last year. He had like a yeah. four point five ERA, and you're like, this, this guy's an all star. Like, well, I guess he had like a few bad starts leading up to that, which kind of ballooned his ERA. But still, it's, I don't um, know, man. like Blake Snell, who was Cy Young, was originally left off the all star roster last year, and we were that was like the dumbest shit ever. A few people have commented on it, which, like, I think Phil Hughes especially tweeted about um, MLB's rule where, like, you have to have one player from every team be an all-star. That's pretty nonsensical, I think, at this point. Like, um, you know, if, if the Indians had multiple representatives, like, that's one thing. If Francisco Lindor is their only representative, that's fine, I guess, because he's, like, their best player. He's got a lot of name recognition, and, you know, he's his numbers are pretty good, even though he missed a bunch of time like i think um that rule is really silly and um i think even though like the yankees brand like everyone knows the yankees i feel like you pick you know the like voight and glaber you know they're younger they probably have a little bit less of that cachet that like you know people know who aaron judge is like glaber is 22 as long as he keeps playing like this like if voight plays like this then they'll both make plenty of all-star teams they just have to keep building up that recognition but again, you know, it's it's honestly just, it means you know, it, 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 it's a nice it's a nice feather to put in your cap. But I mean, we know the value they've brought to the team. Obviously, they've helped get the team to where they are right now. Uh, I believe we're what twenty six games over five hundred now. I mean, that can never be taken away. I mean, they may not be all stars this year, but the the all star level play they've provided to this team still still exists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I I think the that whole final vote if that 
final vote, if that's still a thing, Glaber will definitely be on there. Glaber or Vort. Maybe maybe both. They'll probably won't put two Yankees on there, though. People will complain. Um, guys, want to do our bullpen trust list to kind of wrap oh. up the show? Do we have to? Please, um, no. <laughs> like, look, uh, like I said, I'm really not taking much away from, like, any individual. I'm not going to, like, think less of an individual pitcher for their bad performance in the U.K. If they, if they shit it up against the Mets, I will be. But I think my bullpen trust list is going to be, you know, pretty much the same as it's been. Um, actually, you know what? I'm, I did make a change. I forgot about this change I made. So my one-two is still Chat. I mean, if you don't have Chapman number one, Chapman's just been the unanimous number one for the last month. Or you so. mean it's not Stephen Tarpley? Um, not quite, Andrew. Not he was he was number one before his first inning today. So you know, he, he lost that. But you know, Chapman, he's been yeah, number one to off the list. <laughs> yeah, number one on the needs to be shipped away to Scranton. <laughs> But really, Chapman, like I always say, like, all right, Chapman has these a few like blow up outings here. He hasn't, and I'm still waiting for it. He's just been awesome in every, like, it seems almost every outing. He's throwing hard. He's hitting triple digits. Looked awesome. And like, even though neither situation was a uh, save situation in either game, it still felt like it. And he still did his job in both games. Um, yeah. And most impressively, because no one else on either team's bullpen mm-hmm. could. Get a job, get the job done. He he just he was, you know nails. I guess throwing a hundred right plays anywhere, no matter where you're pitching. Um, I guess so. Typically, you know, scenario like non-save situation Chapman, where he like messes around and gets into trouble. But I feel like, like you guys said, like circumstances, right? Like there's probably a heightened sense of like importance for him since no one else could get any outs. You know the London spectacle, the whole thing. Like otherwise, Chapman's usually kind of dicing these situations. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's very a lot of closures are like that. It's weird. Um, yeah, Adav- I still have Adovino too. I'm moving Zach Britton up to three. I don't know. I've just liked how Britton's pitched lately. I know he's had a few rough patches here and there, but I don't know. I, I just right now I feel more confidence in Britton than I do Tommy Canley. That's why I've moved Canley back and forth. He's had a few rough outings uh, his last few times. His ERA. Three. He couldn't get an out Saturday. Um, shit happens. Uh, four. Yeah, so four have Canely. And then five. Man, you know, this was tough. I was going to go with Nestor Cortez five. Uh, but if he had a good out, so, but I'll still go with Chad Green. He deserved it. He got, you know, Green got hit pretty hard in his outing in London, but he still didn't give up a run. Still give, gave us two innings. He, he was still a nice, uh, nice recovery for Tanaka. So, yeah, that's my bullpen trust list. Green, Canely, Zach Britton, Adovino. And Chappie. Andrew, who, who, who's on your bullpen? Let me guess. It's Chance Adams, Stephen Tarbley, Nestor Cortez. Um, right? Is that your top three? Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. Um, nailed just it. Make, sure, make sure you don't forget Jonathan Holder. Jonathan Holder. He's from the dead. <laughs> um, mine actually is going to be pretty, pretty unchanged from ones I've had previously. Um, I'm keeping uh, – Chapman one, Britain two, where they've been for pretty much the entire time since we we introduced the segments. Um, I still, you know, regardless of how they're they're pitching, um, those guys until they have like a really bad stretch, um, have my my full trust. I, I know Britain hasn't seemed like his dominant self, the kind of you know, dominance we're, we're expecting when we we sign him this year. Um, but I, I still like the way he's throwing the ball. I, even today, he gave up a couple hits. Um, or, or one hit and a walk, and like that walk was total bullshit. Like he threw two perfect 
I believe it was the third pitch of the bat and then the, the, the sixth pitch of the bat, whatever it was, that were perfect pitches to Mookie Betts around the corner that were both called balls. Um, no, no reason that that should have been called. It was just um, unbelievable how, like, you know, he calls, like, the, what was it, 2 2 pitch? It was a 2 2 pitch. Uh, no, it was 2, it was 3 1, right? Yeah, he yeah. called it. Mm-hmm. The, he, that, he the fifth pitch a... was a strike. And then the, the next pitch was even better. And he called that one a ball. Like, it's like a right, 3 1 pitch right on the corner. He calls it a strike. Okay. Britain goes probably like five more inches towards the plate. And it's the same spot. And he calls it a ball. Like, I couldn't, like, you go look at it on uh, on MLB. If you have MLB at bat, go look at that zone on that pitch. It's it's unbelievable. But it's. That's the kind of game that, like, had they, had they end up losing, we would absolutely have lost our shit because that opens the floodgates. I mean, that loaded the bases for arguably their best hitter at the time, right? Um, and thank God Devers grounded out. But, like, I think Britain threw the ball really well today. Um, you know, again, I mentioned fast turf. First battery face, I think it was, what, Sam Travis. The ground ball on grass, probably, he probably gets it. It's probably not. Inning ends right there, right? Um, then he struck out bets, even though he didn't, and then he got the ground out to end the inning. Um, I have Ottavino at three. Uh, I think I've had him uh, a little lower in the past, but, I mean, he, he's he's pretty steady. I know he had a couple rough games when we were in a rough patch, but um, he, he's right at the ship. I mean, you, you never don't feel comf- uh, confident when, when he's in. Um, then I'll have Kaylee for, he's uh, actually, scratch that. I'll put um, Chad Green for and Kaylee five. Kaylee only because he hasn't really seemed like himself the past few weeks. And he looked really good on Sunday, but before that, he's been a little off. So if he can recapture that, he can certainly shoot back up. I and mean, he was at two on my list when we, when we first started this. All right, um, it's your time, your time to give us your beautiful bullpen trust list. Ugh. Um, all right, so Chapman one, it doesn't really need to be explained. Um, he's been awesome. I'm going with Adovino too. He's been up there for a while for me. Um, other than like the occasional spot here and there, he's been really good without much drama. Um, probably you know he wasn't super effective. No one really was, but you know what he seem to see these games I feel like isn't indicative right no one's pitches were really moving or anything like that so you know and since his pitches have so much you know ridiculous movement then I mean what are you going to do if you're throwing junk out there then you'll see exactly what you saw from everyone um he's been pretty drama free and pretty great so number two and then Britain will go number three um I don't enjoy watching him pitch he has great stuff but he's I find him pretty irritating uh that being said, the results have been there. You know, he gets himself into trouble, but he always, most most of the time, does get out of it. And um, his stuff is just so nasty. Um, I'm flip flopping in my like in my head as we speak about number four right now. I'm going to go with Chad Green. Um, he's been so much better since he came back from AAA, and you know the versatility that he's shown to be used as an opener. He's been going one innings, two innings. They finally did just start using him, you know, different parts of the game again. Um, and if they could, I mean, we mentioned this last time, you know, that he's been using, that he had been used almost exclusively as an opener for a while. If they could get back to using him, you know, the fifth or the sixth or the eighth inning or whatever, then, you know, he's just so much more valuable and they started to do it a little bit more. Um and Canely, you know, he was super, super good at the beginning of the year. He's a little bit hit and miss. He's had some rough spots. But 
he still does have that nasty fastball changeup combo, and um, you know he could go back up pretty quickly. But you know he's a little bit. He's been he's having a little bit of a rough patch, so he's coming down the list for a little bit. Um, yeah, man, this was this was definitely a weird week for bullpen trust list. Uh, like like we said, I'm I'm not going to be worried about you know individual guys in the bullpen until they start doing this in the states. If they start imploding against the Mets and the Rays this next week, then I'll be worried. Uh, guys, let's uh, just end the show talking about these the second half of the Subway Series, right? We're going – it's obviously off Monday, but then Tuesday and Wednesday, Yankees are back at it at City Field. Uh, two games against the Mets. They split with them at Yankee Stadium for that doubleheader um, about a month ago. It's going to be Paxton versus Vargas on Tuesday, and then Herman for the return of Domingo on, on Wednesday against uh, Wheeler. Mets – Man, you want to talk about having a shitty week, man. The Mets had like I think they were they blew like four straight games this week. They had an awful last week. Um Mets Twitter in hell. The Mets in general are just in hell. Uh man, it's I think we're catching them at a good time, guys. Uh, but They've lost what, seven in a row, I think? I, I believe so. And I think in what, like four or five of those game five of those games they had like a lead like late in the game. So yeah, you don't absolutely just went off on them when Edwin Diaz uploaded the other day. Like, Mike Francesa had an update here with the Mets this year. I forget who it was. It was either a, a tweet someone dropped in our in our chat uh, earlier today or, or someone just outright said it. But, like, the Yankees signed DJ LeMahieu and Adam Montevino, and the Mets traded for um, Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano. The two prospects they traded, by the way, uh, Don and Clinic, both made the futures game. And they got Jed Lowry. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just a stark differential. I mean, for the same money, too, basically. I mean, the amount Cano makes uh, washes out with what Adovino and LeMahieu make. <laughs> Man. Uh, They're 2 and 8. Last 10 games, the Mets are 2 and 8. Man, if you're a Mets and Knicks fan right now, oof. Man, you might want to get into art or get into like, film or just something else other than sports because, man. Go see a movie. Yeah, go, go outside. Yeah, go, 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 like, find some hobbies. Um, yeah, so yeah, that'll be it for, for the show tonight. Uh, man, feels good to be a Yankee fan right now, right? Uh, at the end of this uh, the game on Sunday, the Yankees were seven and a half up. The Rays won, so they're only seven up, but. Man, the, we have a four-game set against Tampa before the All-Star break uh, after this race in Tampa. So possibly a chance to, I don't know, maybe have a double-digit lead going to the All-Star break. That'd be awesome. Uh, like, like I said, getting Herman back. No more, Hopefully no more 17-13 uh, games. Uh, that'd be nice. I'm, I'm looking forward Never to Never again, please. I'm, I'm looking, you, you know what? Even if we lose like one of these next few games, if it's like a four to two game and it's under like three hours, I'll be like generally happy. Yeah, I was like, wow, that was nice, man. Oh, wow, two, it's 10 o'clock and the game's over. Wow. If this game was in the UK, it'd be like the fourth inning right now. Um, that's all we got tonight. Um, I'm just, look. The Mets and the Red Sox just both had like they showed that graphic on ESPN today. The Mets and the Red Sox just leading the league and blown saves. What a what a beautiful sight. Both those Red Sox Montevino was a free agent. Either of those teams could have gotten him. Tough luck. Tough luck. It turns out the team with one of the best bullpens last year got him. And that's just how it goes. The rich get richer. And the Red Sox have as many blown saves as they have actual saves this year. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Guys, so any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No more London games, ever. 
please. London, London games. Uh, also, if you're a Knicks fan, I'm sorry, but K- Kyrie and KD are Nets. Uh, go Nets. Just want to th- throw that in there. Um, Keep winning. Get the double-digit lead by the All-Star break. I'm getting yep. greedy. Yep, absolutely. So for, for Luigi, for Andrew, for G, this was the Bronx Bomber Bout Podcast. We'll see you guys next time.